Well, we are continuing in our gospel series, Stick to the Notes, Mark. Um, and uh, I'm just grateful to God for um, this opportunity we've had as a church to look at the gospel, the good news. And if you've been around, or indeed if you have caught up, and uh, many of you are watching online at the moment, we've been looking at the good news. And it's a four-parter. Love a good four-parter. Uh, the first week we unpacked the truth that if there is good news, it is there because there exists bad news. Uh, and without understanding the bad news, the, the gospel isn't really good news. And so we dive quite deeply, uh, and well done for getting through that talk, on what actually the bad news is. And actually, we did cover some quite deep theological items in that. Um, but I hope that it was served in a palatable way for you to eat and digest. Um, but indeed, the bad news exists. And then the second week, we looked at what is the good news. Uh, that was a fun week. We actually looked at what happened on the cross of Calvary. What happened when Jesus died, and indeed, he rose again, and indeed, is glorified with the Father. What is that good news for us, and what does that mean for us? Last week, we looked at living the gospel which is the fact that we're not only saved by the gospel, it's not a one-time event, it's not just, hey, I've got my ticket to heaven, right, let's do what I want to do, that we are called to live out the gospel, and last week we unpacked that together. And so we end on sharing the gospel. How do we share the gospel? Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into that. Lord, we want to say thank you for the good news the good news not of a magic formula, the good news not of facts, but the good news of Jesus himself. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come this morning and that you would speak to, continue indeed, to speak to our hearts as we incline our ear to you. Lord, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And uh, the reality is, Lord, that the enemy would not want us, want us to hear this word nor act upon it. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just uh, help us remove any distractions. Um, would we make a decision to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, as we hear your word and your truth this morning, we ask in your name. Amen. Now, in, in, in kind of looking at sharing the gospel, I mean, we could do a whole series on sharing the gospel. There are many methods and ways in which you can share the gospel. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to... In, in uh, an hour and a half to give you, oh, you picked that up, thank you. I'm not going to be able to give you in 25 minutes the definitive guide. What I'm hoping to do is give you a starter for 10, a bit of a taster, and excite you to the opportunity to share the gospel. And in order to do this, we're going to look at essentially four things. One is, what does it mean to share the gospel? Number two, why should we share the gospel? Number three, difficulties that we encounter with sharing the gospel, and number four, how we can share the gospel. And uh, let's start with why does it, what does it mean to share the gospel? Well, in, in many respects, sharing the gospel, what does it mean? It's a very simple thing. It means sharing Jesus with others. I mean, that's essentially what it means. If we understand that the gospel itself is the good news of Jesus himself, then in terms of sharing the good news, we are called to be a witness to share Jesus with others. You know, at the, uh, at the start of the REACH um, series, when we looked at um, the vision for the church, I looked at the fact that we're akin to a lifeboat uh, place, place, lifeboat club, 
House, thank you, Trevor. A lifeboat, lifeboat house where we are here to um, go and save the people that are going to be broken up on the rocks of sin. And so we get into our lifeboats and we go and save people. And as I unpacked that, I said the danger of being a lifeboat house is we can get comfortable being in the house and we forget that we've got a lifeboat there we need to use. And you see, sharing the gospel, we need to recognize that there is the thing called the Great Commission, that we've been called to share Jesus because the time is short and the bad news is really bad news. And as good news bearers, that's what you are, we have a role to play in sharing that good news with one another. Um, And really what it is, it's a kingdom activity. What do I mean by kingdom? In this age of the here and not yet, and I won't go into the detail of that, I did so maybe last week or the week before, you know, the kingdom of God is breaking in. Do we know this? The rule and the reign of God is breaking in. He inaugurated it when he came 2,000 years ago and died and rose again, and he will consummate that kingdom when he comes again, which he will. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. But in this time of the here and not yet, we are called to extend his kingdom where we are. That's why we are ambassadors of Christ. You know, where an ambassador resides in a foreign land, that is the, the, the sovereign soil of where the ambassador comes from, yeah? And so the reason we're called ambassadors of Christ is because you take God's kingdom with you where you step. Did you know that? And God's kingdom, when God's kingdom breaks in, we should expect to see signs and wonders. We should expect to see the very presence of God healing and saving. That's what we should expect. And that, therefore, is our role. When we share the gospel, what we are doing is we are extending God's kingdom here on earth. Who prays the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God says, good prayer, go on, then off you go. What, what? You mean I'm here to extend your kingdom here on earth? Yep. Oh, if I knew that, I don't think I'd have prayed that. Well, that's what you signed up for. (laughs) You see, sharing the gospel is a kingdom activity. It's about extending the rule and the reign of Christ here on earth. Do we get that? And so... That's what it means to share the gospel. It's very simple. It means sharing Jesus, and we're going to look at how we can do that in a moment. But why should we? Well, I've covered that already. You know, 1 Peter 3.15, Peter says this, In your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy. Listen to this. Always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. We are to be prepared. If you are here and you're sitting here and you confess and profess a faith in Jesus Christ and that with that you can declare that you have a hope in him, if that's you, then you've got to be prepared to share why you have a hope in Christ. Did you know that? And I know, quite frankly, that many times in my life I'm not prepared. And part of that is, and that's what I addressed at the start of this series is we don't fully understand what, what the good news is we're given. That's why I felt of the Lord as I shared to you a, a, an unction upon me of the Spirit of God to preach very clearly on the gospel and what is the gospel. Because unless you know what the gospel is and the work of Christ on the cross, then it's very difficult to be prepared to share the hope that you have. Does that make sense? But We move on, therefore, to the difficulties we encounter because I hope that 
that what you hear from this pulpit is truth. I hope you hear it in a relevant way that it's applicable to your life. But I also hope that what you hear is the reality of life and how difficult it can be sometimes. Because I would suggest that the irony is that churches are the place where we put the most amount of masks on. You walk in and you, you put on your holy mask. I'm sure you don't, of course. But, and I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Whenever I heard about Right, I'm pre- someone's going to preach on sharing the gospel. There's a little part of me that's like, oh, no, please don't. Did he say that? Oh, no. Why do I feel condemned because I'm not very good at it? I feel like I can't be bothered because I'm so tired. Listen, you might look at me and think, wow, he's a zealous man of God. Maybe you don't. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but... <laughs> The reality is I'm not zealous all the time. And quite frankly, got one of the trustees over here, Bruce McKinnon, our chair of trustees over there, Tim Winfield. Sometimes I can't be bothered. I'm too tired. And so when I hear about sharing the gospel, I'm like, oh. I know none of you are like that. But when we talk about sharing the gospel, we can often say, well, that's for the extroverts. I'm an introvert. I've used that excuse. Or, it's difficult. I tried it before and it didn't work, so why try again? I felt that. Or maybe we've lost hope because we've been disappointed. We've shared the gospel. We went to extend the kingdom and it was like egg on my face. I mean, anyone try praying for someone in a supermarket? It's great when it works, but when it doesn't, it's like, oh, that's embarrassing, isn't it? I'm trying to be real here with you. Is this helpful? So what I don't want you to hear from the pastor is, share the gospel or you'll be bad. I'm not saying that. I'm trying to encourage you and excite you to the opportunity and convict you to the opportunity. But I equally want to be real about the challenges we face when we go and try and do so. Okay? Does that, that help? So with that, let's get into some scripture. We're going to look at a wonderful story. I know you know this, some of you. John 4, it's the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. And what I love about this story is it does a really good job of showing how we can share the gospel. The way Jesus models it is wonderful, and the way the woman at the well models it thereafter is wonderful. And as we then unpack how can we share the gospel, we'll find some very... Um, insightful things within this account. Now, we're going to go from verse 7, and we're going to continue to read up until um, a later verse. When I get to it, I don't know what it is yet, but we'll keep reading, and we'll stop when I need to stop. Uh, It will be on the screen in the room. If you're online, uh, it may be on your device as well. Uh, Let's read. A A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, "'Give me a drink.'" For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to by the way, I don't think that Jesus said, give me a drink. I think he said, would you give me a drink? Just want to clarify that point. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. 
The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where, where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is, well, not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship that which you do not know. We worship what we know. For the salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, indeed is now here, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That's what I talked about a couple of weeks ago. That is why we are to be born again by the Spirit of God. You cannot worship God unless you are born again. It's about restored relationship with our Father. The Spirit of adoption cries in us, Abba, Father. That's what happens when we are saved. God is spirit, and those who worship him must be in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I think we'll stop at that point. What a great story. I mean, there's so much we could comment on that. Jesus always seeked out the marginalized and the less than in society. You know, women were put to the side, never spoken to. It would never have been the case that a man would speak to a woman in that so directly. She was a Samaritan. There's no way that a Jew would be seen with a Samaritan. And yet here is Jesus giving her time and space. So wonderful. And I think that we can learn a lot from this, as I said. And I want to split this into two parts. Um, the first thing is how we can be ready. And the first thing I want to say this is we need to be expectant and open to divine appointments. That's the first thing I would say to you. Be expectant and open to divine appointments. God will place people in your path where you will have an opportunity to share Jesus with them. These are not accidents. It's not a coincidence. God is acting and he is creating opportunities for you to share the gospel. You know, I think it's very interesting here. I believe that Jesus was always expectant for divine appointments. In fact, if you read the scriptures prior to these verses, he made a choice to go through that way. I believe he was waiting for this moment. He knew it was coming. And so he was already ready to speak with this woman at the well. And what I want to say to you is, listen, recognize your area of influence that God has placed you in, because that is your mission field. We can oftentimes, 
I remember when I wasn't in the ministry, and early on in my career, I was like, oh, I wish I could be in the ministry. Then I can share the gospel. Listen, you are in the place where your pastor can't get to. You know, I'm here to equip you for the work of the ministry, as it talks about in Ephesians 1.7. I am here to help equip you so that you can be effective in your mission field, yeah? And maybe tomorrow you need to look at your day slightly differently, that you need to be expectant to say, Lord, would I be open to a divine appointment in my workplace tomorrow? Would I be ready and willing and open with someone that needs to hear the good news of you, Jesus? And for some of us, I think that's a bit of a mindset shift. A, that God is divinely working to position you to share the gospel. And B, that where God has placed you is where he has appointed you to be a minister of grace and to share the gospel. Because your pastor can't get to where you are. And I think Jesus was always, indeed he was, you read the scriptures, and he never rushed. Have you noticed that? He always got to where he needed to get to. He was, never, he was kind of late a couple of times. Late by world standards. Darius' daughter and Lazarus, of course, but... But in that moment of walking, he was never rushed. I mean, what about the woman with the issue of blood? He's this crowd, and he's moving through the crowd, and this woman reaches out to touch his hem, and she gets healed. Now, he doesn't just think, oh, I just felt some power go out of me. Let's keep walking. He stopped. Who was that? And not only did he say, oh, nice to meet you, he prayed a blessing. And I think that, that really does speak to me because I recognize in my life, when I'm not bothered because I'm, I'm tired and I'm weary because I'm doing too much, I think that the enemy wants to get us so busy that we're rushing all over the place and we miss out on divine appointments. And then we use things like I'm tired or I'm an introvert, these are all my excuses, when actually that is not the truth. The truth is I got too busy and I haven't been expectant and open that God is divinely appointing my steps. And I think we can learn a lot from the way Jesus walked, not rushing, not running, but open to those divine appointments. He didn't say to the woman, listen, I'm really thirsty. I've got five minutes. Can you please get that bucket in the water? Give it to me so I can move on. He didn't do that, did he? I love that. Be ready. Um, be expected. Number two, live your life in worship to him. This is how you can be ready. I am convinced I'm convinced that the degree to which you can share Jesus is the degree to which you allow Jesus to operate in your life. Now, I, don't, I, I say that with some caveats. I believe that there are, by his grace, moments in our brokenness and our emptiness that God uses our words in a powerful way to share the good news of Jesus, okay? But what I have noticed as being a pastor in my own walk is that as I, as I dwell in his presence more, as I experience his love, it kind of spills out. And you want to tell people. I mean, I remember when Steph and I first met 20-odd years ago. And I fell in love, head over heels, within a space of a few days. I did something crazy and told her I loved her after a week. I was like, blow it, I'll just tell her. Turns out she felt the same. Thank you, Lord. But I remember those moments. I would tell everybody about this girl I'd met called Steph. I paused for dramatic effect. It's not that I forgot my wife's name. <laughs> I would tell everybody about Steph. 
I've got to tell you, I've just met this amazing girl called Steph. Oh, she's amazing. She makes me so happy. And the way she understands me, no one's understood me like Steph does. You know, and when I'm with her, I feel so comfortable. I feel myself, quite frankly. And you know, when I'm with her, I don't worry about the future. I just have such a peace and enjoyment of the present. I'm not having to make this up. But you see, my point, the illustration, I think, plays out in our lives with Jesus, doesn't it? You see, as we experience his love and his acceptance and the grace and the mercy and just the joy, and if we allow it to bubble up, we just can't help but tell people about him. And so what I would say to you is that allow yourself to allow that love to spill out and get reacquainted with your first love. Maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online and and you know what? You can't remember the last time you spoke about Jesus in that way. Maybe that's an invitation from Jesus to spend time with him and get reacquainted with your first love. But the second part about living a life in worship to him is your actions and the way you live your life is a witness to other people. When you go through difficulty and hardship and yet you are still able to come here on a Sunday and worship God, that says something that words cannot even say. When you're talking to your friends and they're joking about how they managed to, you know, evade the tax man or they managed to get their kid into a school by pretending they went to, you know, a Christian school and pretending they went to a church and got the form, they joke about it. I mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't do any of that stuff. And they think, that's weird. Why don't you? You've got to get the most out of this life. You see, your life, the way you lead your life, says something that words cannot say, and it is attractive and people are interested. So I would say these two things. Number one, be prepared. Be expectant and open to divine appointments. And number two, live your life in worship to him. So I think that's the first part of being ready. Here comes the second part of that moment where you are with somebody and you have an opportunity to share the good news. You've recognized the divine appointment, and I've got uh, five things What? 10 to 11? Is that clock not working? Wow, okay. I'm going to give you an overview that you can study later at your own leisure. (laughs) Note to self, reformat the Sunday services. Uh, sharing, (laughs) Sharing the good news. Number one, listen to people. Listen. Jesus listened and showed kindness. We are so often so almost excited to bash someone over the head with some new theological truth that we've learned that we don't listen to the person. Jesus was listening to this woman. I mean, if I was Jesus, I would have said, hold the phone, I already know what you're going to say, let me just tell you like it is. But he listened, didn't he, in gentleness and listened in kindness. When you are there and you're about to share the good news of Christ, listen to what the person's got to say. Because I tell you, the world needs great listeners right now. There are no good listeners. Jesus modeled what it meant to give the person dignity to listen to them and to their story. The second thing is recognize the symptoms behind the condition. Now, this is really important. Um, Verse 15, let me just have a look at this. Yeah, you know, we talked about at the start of the series that the condition is that we are separated from God, okay? Now, 
it's very unlikely that someone's going to come to you and say, yeah, you know what, I just feel like I'm, I have a broken relationship with God. They may do, and that's happened to me before. But most of the time, rather than tell you the condition, they'll tell you the symptoms. It's like if you have a, a condition that you go to the doctor, you go to the doctor because the doctor can recognize your symptoms and then tell you what the cure is. And so keep your ear out for the symptoms, things like, I just have a real emptiness. I just don't have a peace. I just put my head down at night and I just can't sleep. I'm so worried. Or I don't understand why I've got this broken relationship. You know, there is a world out there demonstrating to us the condition of our lives and we can speak into the cure, but you need to listen and listen out for the symptoms that they show. Number three, speak therefore about the condition and the cure. This is where you speak truth. Jesus did this with the woman at the well. You want to talk about thirsty? Let me tell you that there's a living water that will never run out. You've got no peace? I tell you, I can tell you about myself. There is great peace that I found in Jesus. You see, you speak to the symptom and you show the cure is Jesus. You feel lonely even though you've got people around you. You know, I think possibly that's because you've yet to really recognize that, you're, that you are called to be a child of God. And in that place, you find acceptance and that loneliness goes. You see what I'm doing there? But you need to listen first. You need to hear that story first. You rarely go in with a theological um, polemic And with this, this is where you can share your story. And I've showed that a little bit there, didn't I? You know, I felt like that once. But I want to tell you something. I met Jesus. Oh, I know this, Jesus. You keep telling me about it. I know you've heard this so many times before. But listen. Now, I want to say something else at this point before I start finishing this list. We need to recognize that in those divine appointments, in those conversations, you're not the one making it happen You are being used by God to speak truth in, but his Holy Spirit is working in the heart of the hearer, okay? And A, that takes the pressure off you because you feel like you've got to convince someone to accept Jesus. But B, you need to recognize that that the Lord is working in someone's heart. And the reason that's important is you could say, well, I've had this conversation with so-and-so like 10 times before. Yeah, you might be keep sowing seeds, but the Holy Spirit is watering those seeds. And this might be the moment. So speak truth, speak to the cure, about the cure and speaking to the condition. Number four, then offer to pray about the symptoms. You know, often say, listen, would you mind praying a blessing that you would feel the, the love and the peace of God? I was recently in London doing some street photography. Some of you know that I like street photography. And I got chatting to a guy and I could sense this was a divine appointment. He said, oh, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking some pictures, blah, blah, blah. And we got chatting. I said, I'm a pastor. And um, I said, ah, interesting. I knew something was was happening. I said, what about you? Do you you go to a church? Do you you believe in God? And he unpacked his story a little bit. I was listening. And I could tell that as he was talking, he was uh, someone that's had a bad experience with church. and, And he therefore resorted to the fact that, well, we're all spiritual and therefore always lead to God. I said, well, you know, I believe that God loves you. I believe that God has made a way through Jesus. Would you mind if I just pray a blessing on you? And I could see the Holy Spirit on him. How could I see the Holy Spirit on him? There was an openness about it. You could see he was slightly emotional. 
And I said, let me pray. And I said, he said, yeah, okay, fine. It's very rarely that someone will say no to that. So I just said, Lord God, would you just reveal yourself to so-and-so's name? Would they know that you love them? And would you presence yourself with them? That's all I prayed. And he started crying. He's like, what's going on? I said, that's the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the Lord demonstrating to you that he loves you. Oh, wow. You see, you speak the truth and then you show the truth. That's extending God's kingdom, you see. Maybe someone says, I've battled with this sickness for so long. Well, I believe that God's a healer. Would you mind if I prayed for your healing? Okay, sure. Now, it takes some courage and boldness. But step out and give it a go. Lord God, I just pray you'd show yourself to so-and-so and show your love. I pray healing upon this leg or whatever it might be. So that's four. Are you with me? Number five, as we bring this plane into land, I'll invite the band up at this point. Extend an invitation. What do I mean by extend an invitation? There are some that you will get a sense that they want more at that point. And the invitation is this. It could be, listen, why don't you come along to church with me on Sunday? Why don't you come along to my rise group that meets on Wednesday? Why don't you come along to the men's barbecue? Yeah, just some guys come around, have some good food and chat. You know, why don't you do that? Why don't you come over, we'll have a cup of tea, talk about it some more. Invite them to church, invite them to something social. And for some, they are ready to, to receive that water, that living water. And you say, would you like to, to, to meet this Jesus now? Would you like to receive his forgiveness and his love? Because you are separated from God, but as we've just talked about, and as you've just seen, Jesus is inviting you personally today. Because you know, even if you were just the only person here on this planet, God the Father would still send his son Jesus for you. And that's how you can invite someone. Now, <clears throat> these five things, I wanna tell you, they're not always sequential. You might just get on point number one and two, three, four, five never happens. You might meet someone and it's straight to point four, which is, can I pray for you? So what, I'm gonna give, what I've given you here is not a, a step-by-step list that you have to remember. These are not step-by-step steps. Does that make sense? Thank you, step-by-step steps. These are dynamics or aspects of how you can share the gospel to, those, to people around you. Number one, listen. Number two, recognize the symptoms behind the condition. Number three, speak into the condition and about the cure. Number four, offer to pray about the symptoms and the cure. And number five, extend an invitation. Church, let us stand.